Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Another momentous week for us as we are back, all three of us recording in person, back in Alan's flat with Alan Jacobson, the cat it is massive, and Edinburgh have got a European quarterfinal coming up this weekend. Alan, how are you, pal? Good. It's um, got, got a real hot Daryl Marfil meme that I'm ready to drop on the Insta page this, later this week. I've seen it. That is a, that's a big thing to drop, a big, tease, <laughs> big teaser for everyone to get excited yeah. about. Do you, do you like Dara Marvel? Yes, obviously. Do you like Game of Thrones? Obviously. Imagine. Well, I've got something for you. Oh, boy. That's uncharted territory. <laughs> to be fair, by the kind of fifth meme you'd sent through today, I had, <laughs> I had a bit of fatigue. I was like, yeah, they're good, mate. They're just, yeah, keep chucking them out. Yeah. It's about volume and just, see, just hoping one of the darts hits, Yeah, for sure. You know? Absolutely, yeah. And Matt, you're here as well. You just ch- chipped in there without introducing yourself. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Nice to be back. Yeah, yeah really. it is really nice. Yeah. Really letting the lid go. Oh, yeah. Homeless it's chic. Homeless yeah. chic. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, lockdown's really gotten to you there. <laughs> How you well, doing, mate? Doing all right. Just getting by, I would say. Nice. Nothing to report. No news. <laughs> no news. No news for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, there is plenty of Scottish rugby news which we're going to get into and then we're going to look ahead to Edinburgh's big game against Bordeaux at the weekend. Um, Why don't we start with the return of international rugby where the theory seems to have been we've gone from no international rugby to absolutely loads. The Autumn Nations Cup is kicking off later in the um, autumn, I guess, and um, Scotland will be playing Italy, France and Fiji+. plus one playoff game but before that they're playing a warm-up against Georgia and then their final six nations game against Wales Matt hard not to get excited about that many Scotland games coming up yeah as you said going from from nothing to to like actually maybe too much rugby I don't know um no it's it's exciting and I think that um 
Scotland's draw is really favourable to have France, Italy and Fiji versus the other group of England, Wales, Ireland and even Georgia is not going to be a fun game to play in. No. Um, and then the way it works is there'll be playoffs after that with first versus first, second versus second, etc. I think Scotland should genuinely be like aiming to, to win that group I'm- and then get a silver medal. I'll take any or, silverware that's going. Like that's yeah. is that silverware? I tell you, who's absolute loving life at the moment? It's Fiji because they've shipped Fiji out of the England, yeah. Ireland, and Wales group. Oh yeah, slotted yeah. Georgia in, Loving and then that. shipped Fiji over to us. Fiji generally think if they looked at Scotland, France, Italy, England, Wales, Ireland, would target those the three teams. Yeah, yeah got definitely. Yeah, as as an opportunity to win. I don't. I don't quite understand how they've made that draw because it does seem stacked entirely against that group B. I've, yeah. I've, got, I've got no idea. I don't I don't think there was much sort of methodology put out there. Well, so I'm, I'm actually, someone has replied on our, our Twitter saying that they're trying to sort of manage it. They didn't want to double up on the remaining Six Nations fixtures. Uh. So Scotland have got Wales, England have got Italy, and France have got Ireland. So they've made it right. so n- no one will play each other twice. Oh, I see. If they've got to catch up on their Six Nations games oh, in October, which has turned out so oh, no. well for us. I, I like I like that way of, do, way of doing things. It's yeah, yeah. worked out well. Looking like we're going to have a little medal to tuck away next to the old Alliance Trophy <laughs> in the Murrayfield <laughs> Trophy cabinet. The big, all the big ones are in there. Say There's, that there is a really high chance that we could lose all three games. That's the thing. I've got no idea how it's going to go. We're not losing to Italy. Italy away. We're not losing to Italy away. We'll see. I don't know. You've got to have some level of confidence on that. I have zero. And the, and the other two games are going to be at Murrayfield. Is that right? They're at, they're at Murrayfield. And I think at the SOU are targeting getting some fans in there. Yes. Mm. Some numbers of up to sort of like 20,000 if they can. But that yeah. seems a little high to me. Seems but ambitious. I think that was pushed out sort of pre the sort of yeah. mild COVID resurgence. And the rule of six. Mm. Yes. Exactly. Nicola's not allowing 20,000 into Murrayfield. No. Although I think they probably will still try and push for some some number, even if it's similar to the sort of setup they had for the Edinburgh-Glasgow game. Well, you'd hope so, yeah. Mm. Um, but it's like an elite golden ticket, like 700 people, sort of like intimate yeah. acoustic gig of like a Scotland international. <laughs> and for an Edinburgh game, no one really cares. But actually for a Scotland game, getting one of those tickets would be really sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. I kind of think that like, it's this quite odd new format with like no crowd. It could be. It could feel a bit funny. Yes. I even thought it's going to really sound pedantic, but like the Nations Cup logo is really shit. <laughs> that is. Just, that I just is thought it, it's like a really weird gripe. It's but that sort of pedantry that has underpinned this podcast. Yeah, for four I know. Years. I know. That's what we come for. I, I, I think. It, I think we'll just be happy to see Scotland. Someone, someone at again. Amazon was like, "Look, you've got." half an afternoon to come up with a logo <laughs> can you just do that I, I mean probably and they got in a room and they were like make a ball but colour it as in the autumn so they've made it kind of that like orangey yellow yeah, kind of like the colour yeah. of like the autumn leaves lovely guys come out and look this is what I've got take it and leave it it looks like <laughs> the old like question of sport logo it looks a bit dated to me do you know what I'm a fan of the font and the colour so font <laughs> get out of here <laughs> So that is the Autumn Nations Cup. But before we get there, um, we've got a warm-up against Georgia. And then we've got to dust off, dust off the Welsh. And that's looking like it's going to be played in London. 
Yes. I feel like on the Georgia warm-up, it was sort of penciled in pre-Autumn Nations Cup. Yeah. Mm. And this, it still doesn't feel like people are 100% kind of confirmed with the maybe that was when pre-georgia were brought in and replaced south africa so um but at the moment as it stands georgia warm-up first wales in london the three games and then i guess a final or whatever the third fourth playoff fifth fifth sixth playoff seventh or eighth playoff is six six games in six international rugby matches on back-to-back weekends is quite an intense schedule why, why do they feel the need to play the Wales match in the Six Nations? Why are they resuming the tournament? Money? Money. Yeah. I mean, I imagine broadcasters would be owed back money if you didn't. So you might as well put it on. Also, yeah. if Scotland yeah. beat Wales and Italy beat England or something like that, would so Italy not the beat, Six Nations? To be, yeah, there yeah. is still a way that we could win the Six Nations. Okay, well, that's my question answered then. That's all I need to, to go on. Mark Dodson is just like, if there's a chance, we're doing it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. The thing I was thinking, though, is whilst obviously I know a majority of the Glasgow and um, Edinburgh teams will be involved in the Scotland setup, there is literally going to be like Glasgow players now who will not play competitive rugby until at least December. Mm. Yeah. Potentially sort of January, depending on when, whatever yeah. the Pro 12, 14, 16 comes out, which... Again, it's probably going to be as long a gap almost as they had in lockdown in terms of like not playing any sort of yeah, competitive yeah. rugby. One of the scope to do like sort of internal trial matches or the sort of the east versus west, north versus south that we the district the districts would be sweet, and I do I generally do think there is a market for it. Yeah, I think there would be. I think I think what we suggested would go very well. Yeah, I think you'd you'd have to split it into the four and. You'd obviously have to have this mix because ultimately the players who aren't playing for in for Scotland could very easily drop down to that Super Six level. If you're not in the Scotland squad, they mm. probably played Super Six anyway. Yeah. So sort of a version of Super Six, but just a slightly higher quality with the districts, and feels like a good way a to get some game time, b to bring some money in. I imagine the issue again would just be COVID testing. Yeah. Which, yeah. but if you're like playing kind all of the matches and yeah, yeah. But if you're playing all the matches in like one place, like even the Orium or something, you could, I don't know, in my mind, create a sort of controlled enough environment. Yeah. And I, th- I think you get a lot of buy-in. No, no, agreed. It's, uh, I think you know, people are still, even though there is so much sport on at the moment, it doesn't feel like that appetite has been fully filled, especially from like a Scottish rugby standpoint. Mm. Ultimately, we've kind of just had Edinburgh v Glasgow and then yeah. one other game. Still feels like, especially from kind of, the way people have been sort of engaging across sort of Twitter and so there is definitely that demand there for to see Scotland players playing rugby. Yeah. I our, I, our Twitter has the finger on on the pulse. On the pulse, that's what we're, that's what we're saying. <laughs> the pulse of, of the Scottish population. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they all seem fairly sanguine about Amazon taking the rights and um, putting it the for the Autumn Nations League, which I've forgotten the name of already, um, and putting it behind a cup review. Not a league. Cup. Autumn Nations Cup. Yeah. Sorry. Um, were you surprised by that decision to take it off sort of free-to-air free or are you quite happy to see it on Amazon? Either of you. I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with it. I think it's kind of the way it's going. You've got cash-strapped unions at the moment. Um, Amazon comes along and can put a more competitive offer in. It's not surprising. Yeah. But it's also, you know, not just a money thing. I think that it'd be interesting to see what Amazon can can do with the actual 
broadcasting whether they you know do it in like a a different like kind of more exciting way or something because i feel like um you know obviously the the bbc has that monopoly of the six nations and everything and i think sky even maybe feels a bit old-fashioned bt's come in and done a good job of like sort of innovating and it'll be interesting to see what amazon can do i imagine amazon will almost certainly just use the same people that do the bt coverage do you think i think gabby is- i think gabby logan's heading up yeah and oh, brian right. habana was a name that got... I imagine now that South Africa aren't in it, Brian Abano potentially will step back from his role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I imagine, yeah, they'll probably use the same production company. Yeah, production company, yeah. I was always... I was always, When I watched... When they had their first sort of bout of Premier League games sort of last season pre-lockdown, I was think like the interface of being able to just like watch a sports match on Amazon is very, very easy and simple and quite like accessible. Mm. And like, yeah. it's not that expensive. And I imagine they will do, undoubtedly, there will be a Autumn Nations Cup deal that will appear for people that want to sign up for Amazon for the first time. Agree. Like, ultimately, it's the same as if it went on BT or Sky in terms of reach, and it's probably cheaper for most people yeah. in yeah. terms of you don't need to make an annual commitment. And you can just, I mean, you could literally just take out a free month probably and pay like seven ninety nine for or mm. potentially just not pay anything if, you, if, you, yeah, if yeah. you're savvy enough just to cancel after yeah. 28 days. So just load up on free part, free delivery from Amazon as well at the same time. 100%. Do all your Christmas shopping within <laughs> the Autumn Nations Cup. <laughs> get it delivered for free. Exactly. Do you think uh, think Premier Sports are in the bidding? Close I think, second time. I think everyone's kind of done with Premier Sports. <laughs> like genuinely. No one's got anything good to say about them, unfortunately. And I also feel like they've kind of lost their enthusiasm for the whole for the whole piece. I feel like general coverage is actually steadily getting a little bit worse and <laughs> even almost their social output's almost got less enthusiasm yeah. than it did pre pre COVID. The website doesn't exactly exactly direct you to the Pro fourteen. They've got more lucrative no. sports streams going on. Speedway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of very lucrative speedway. <laughs> I, th- I think Kabaddi. I think I've always quite enjoyed the fact that the Scotland games, especially the Autumn Internationals, have been on the BBC mm. just because it's free and it's gr- like you know it's, it's, yeah, it's just it's easy. Nostalgic, you know? yeah, nostalgic. It is nostalgic, sure. but I, I, it feels like the kind of best position we can be in from getting money into the game, but also kind of supporting the kind of wider interest in rugby is if we can keep the Six Nations on free-to-air and just give the rest to the highest bidder, mm. then that feels like a fair balance. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Uh, so we'll move on. Strategy, right there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to that, and we will obviously we will be back uh, reporting throughout the Autumn Nations Cup and uh, everything else around it and the conclusion of the Six Nations later on. Shall we finally try and get like a media pass or something? If it's behind closed doors, maybe we can get in. Yeah. That'd be quite sweet. Don't yeah. ask, don't get. Maybe. We'll see. We will see. <laughs> we will watch this space. Consider maybe, this. Maybe just get some free tickets. Cause... Consider this our application, SRU. Yeah. <laughs> we, won't, we won't be putting anything in writing. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, pe- of putting stuff in writing, which was um, prophesized by the Thistle, um, Adam Ash gave his sort of much expected interview about him leaving Glasgow to um, the sort of go-to go-to man at the moment, Jamie Lyle at Rugby Pass to talk about why he left Glasgow, um, his relationship with Dave Rennie um, and other bits and pieces. I think, is it safe to say that he was a little bit more conciliatory of Dave Rennie than some of the others that have come before him? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think that he, you know, he outlined his frustrations about the way in particular that 
um, he felt the fact that he was injured wasn't really taken into account when it came to selection and that he was doing or he felt like he was doing everything that was asked of him. Um, and it sort of felt like that sort of Jamie Lyle template of a interview with a former Glasgow player. It's just like Dave Rennie is like a terrible man manager. But then he actually said, but look, it was a disagreement we had and I actually respect him a lot. So he was the first person out of this sort of bunch of people to, to come out to, to say that. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's in, I think I've probably been giving sort of Rennie the benefit of doubt. But I guess as more and more people come out, clearly he does have some sort of issue of managing mm. those squad players. And yeah. potentially his decisions were, I think there's an argument to say that his decisions with all those players, whether it's Ash, Dunbar, Hughes and Smith, potentially correct in terms of who was starting but clearly you need to be able to manage the players who don't win out on those decisions mm. and they obviously didn't feel like they were getting the right opportunities it's it's difficult as well because if you think of maybe the the average age of all those guys and maybe Dunbar at the time as well it's like you know it's guys who are really wanting to to start the whole time they're still like pretty f- fresh in their career yeah. they think they can be starters and you know, a, a lot of them had had, uh, well, I think of someone like Adam Ash or even Rory Hughes had had that taste of the national squad and that selection. So it's not as if they're going to be sort of even like relatively happy being second or third choice and not getting in that game day squad. So yeah, it's maybe like a kind of just overall at the start of the season, managing your squad and thinking like that there are guys who aren't going to play every week and we need to make sure that they're, still like relatively happy with with being in that position yeah do you think there's a difficulty though just which we've talked about and we will continue to talk about till the end of days of like opportunities to go and play elsewhere you got 44 players in last season's glasgow full-time players yeah. like there's only ever going to be 23 yeah in a match day squad and then another 10 on top of that and mm-hmm. then there's going to be people and they, if you if people don't want to step down to the super six or or the Super, Super Six, Six just isn't providing just yeah, the quality yeah, exactly. to be able to prove like, that you're good enough. There's always going to be that, particularly for f- people who have played at that international level. Yeah. But it, it's odd with Ash that, because he still had a year left in his contract, right? Yeah. And this is an area that, uh, he plays in an area in the back row, number eight or six sometimes, where Glasgow at the moment are light. Like, th- the fact that um, you know, they had to play Ryan Wilson at eight recently, like... I just don't understand why you wouldn't think, well, we still got him here in his contract. We might as well keep giving him a shot. But but maybe it was a mutual thing and Adam Ash sort of... Because I think he said in the interview as well that Dave Wilson had, uh, Danny Wilson had said to him, like, you're not going to feature in my plans, really. Yeah, we sort of put in the last couple of sentences, it was yeah. like Danny Wilson made clear he wasn't part of his plans. And potentially there was... It was a two-year contract with like an option yeah. in the mm-hmm. middle to, to cut. That, that's... That, maybe speaks in defense of Dave Rennie because that's two coaches who are like, yeah, he's not, he doesn't fit, you know, his face doesn't fit. Uh, the thing is, I guess, I know you had Ash and Dunbar articles this week. Dunbar feels, so like he still feels quite bitter mm. about how the whole kind of thing trans- transpired. I think Dunbar's fall was harder and faster. Yes. Ash has been sort of, 
you know, Dunbar was a nailed-on Scotland starter yeah. within well, like, the last couple of years. Rennie's yeah. first season was when you know they beat Australia and we nearly beat New Zealand with Dunbar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the centres with Hugh Jones. I think, mm. But then Dunbar got an injury at the wrong time. Yeah. And then you never know how you come back from that. And then people went in and filled that that mm. jersey. I think, it's professional sport. Like it's never yours forever. Dun, yeah, Dunbar. But Dunbar was interviewed in the Times um, after he'd been dropped by Scotland and said. I don't know why I was dropped. I've never had that communicated to me. So I don't know. It's that's like two instances of yeah. I don't know whether that says that it's maybe something to do with him or was or it, if it or if there has just been this complete breakdown in communications. But there's in, it is interesting. I think it there does look like there is some sort of pattern with Rennie, mm. and we have heard from numerous people that Townsend isn't a great man manager as well yeah yeah it's, it's just interesting that you've got two people in at, weirdly out of the kind of trifecta of sort of scotland coaches cockerel seems to be the best man, <laughs> yeah i know like, most I know. personable of like the three in terms of like managing his squad oh wait wait until cockerel goes to like the gloucester job so so much stuff would come out yeah you say that but a lot of people have like left i mean barclay's kind of had a few digs mainly at Edinburgh in general, yeah, but yeah. not specifically at Cockrell. Yeah, and I guess potentially it's it's easier to have a gig, at, uh, sorry, a dig at Rennie because a he's left, whereas the players who have left Edinburgh know that Cockrell's potentially going to go into that Scotland, Scotland job. Coach. Yeah, so is going to have influence and is going to be potentially making decisions on them in the future. So you probably don't want to, you want to keep him on the right keep side. Sweet, yeah. Whereas Rennie, it's like, he's off in Australia. He isn't going to have an influence on your career for the rest of your life. I think Rennie's like, too, was too nice compared to Cockrell, who, it seems as if like, from Cockrell's time at Leicester as well, he would have the budget conversations with people and be like, look, I'm sorry, you're not on my plans. But he would at least be, he's just straightforward. Yes. Whereas it's there is a maybe a bit of a pattern in these interviews that Rennie's like seems like he, he's giving people feedback. He's telling yeah, them what yeah. they need to work on. But it, and it kind of seemed like they were all being told, "Yeah, your chance will come. Keep doing these things." Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, no, no. I think you're. I, I think. So even I even think with like with Matt Scott moving to Leicester, I think Richard Cockrell had quite a big role in that. And yeah. Matt Scott was like, look, I was obviously gutted that I was told that I was leaving, but it was said to me in a very sort of manner of um, matter of fact way. No, I think you're, I think you're probably correct. I think in, in all those interviews, it's Rennie's not been not communicating. Mm. It's just the communication hasn't then followed up with the action you would expect based on what Rennie's been saying. And that's what's been getting people pissed off. Mm. So maybe he just doesn't enjoy having those sort of hard conversations with players yeah i don't know he has like coached the chiefs and is about to coach australia like he's not you know i kind of feel like even in the australian press like as part like people just kind of ignored his glasgow career everyone's like two-time super rugby winning coach (laughs) dave rennie is coming to coach australia (laughs) yeah Pro 14 finalist coach dave rennie (laughs) exactly which is obviously uh win the 1872 cup didn't even win the 1872 Cup. That would have been the headline if he yeah. had. <laughs> it's, uh, and then obviously, because uh, Queensland Reds, who are essentially Scotland's kind of third team. Yeah. Based on their names the alone. Yeah. Jock Campbell. 
And quite a few of the Scotland sounding players weren't picked for the Rennie Australia squad. I didn't see a Jock Campbell. I don't know Jock Campbell. Who else is in it? Fraser, uh, Fraser McRae was in it. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any others. But now. We'll oh, well. See. Well, speaking of um, poor communication and uh, the SRU, Alan Tate, Scotland and Lions legend, was also in the press this week giving an interview about his role as former role, should I say, as a sort of North of England scout for um, for the SRU to try and convert Scottish qualified players in England to get them into the system. And he had a few choice words to say about the bureaucracy and how he thinks that the SRU is not being um, strong enough with English clubs or Eng- players based in England about getting them in to play for Scotland. Ewan Ashman being the, uh, the sort of exception that um, within the article what did you make of all all of that it's another former SRU employee in the press having a go at them I mean I know I've, I've got slightly different views I think to to both of you maybe open up the floor to the prosecution first to I guess you're probably more pro Tate uh, yeah I just I thought reading the article um, that it did seem as if him and Ian Smith have been sent out with this remit to find players in the north and south of England. Um, and it's a bloody tough job. Like, he's making the point that you're, you know, you're sniffing around the Exeter Academy and Rob Baxter's probably just like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> like, they're, they're not, they're, you know, they're directly opposed to what we're trying to do. Yeah. But it seems as if he has established some like pretty good relationships, and he mentioned Sale and Ewan Ashman within that one. Um, but he obviously doesn't feel as if those pathways are being properly leveraged. And I, I, I get the argument that you know he shouldn't. Ante is that kind of scout. Maybe shouldn't expect to have a direct line to to Danny Wilson or Richard Cockrell. But I think he was more making the point that in order to accelerate someone through that Exiles program there were a lot of layers of bureaucracy that you had to get through. So I had quite a lot of sympathy with them. But should there not be quite a few layers of bureaucracy? You're well, asking essentially for a fairly long-term investment in individuals. You know, yeah. And giving away precious, again, precious spaces within a Scottish program at Edinburgh or Glasgow for people that you know might not turn out or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean I, I don't know how many names get put forward and then how many get yeah. you know get through that funnel. It's it's the hard piece about who have we missed because maybe the SOU have been too slow mm. or haven't worked too hard. I know the name check Cameron Redpath and Fraser Dingwall. I don't think actually did they did they mention Cameron Redpath? They they mentioned something about how Scotland hadn't got to them early enough and how Eng- England had brought them into their system. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. And but then again, all the communications coming out from Cam Redpath is that he wants to play for England. Yeah, he doesn't he's, feel he's never really felt Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. Exactly. I I saw a little bit through the lens of very sadly, obviously Alan Tate has been let go. He didn't feel like he had as much of a say as potentially he wanted to, and he was having a bit of a moan about it. Mm. And he was like, "I should have, I should have been able to speak to Cockrell directly." Well, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> Ultimately, his focus is on sort of 16 to 20-year-olds. And ultimately that, in terms of, I guess, that SOU centralized kind of player pathway is probably focused on, right, what, you know, 
how do we get the right number of people in the right number of positions at the right number of ages coming mm. into that system? And how do we manage them through stage one, stage two, stage three, and then into sort of the national team? Yeah. So I, I, I guess I can broadly see, I can see where it's coming from in terms of how important it is, because it, it clearly is. But I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a kind of, I'm just wanting a bit of a moon at the SOU, and this is an outlet for me, for me to do it. Yeah, I... I don't know if I'd say it was like Mooney. I don't think it was like self-pitying or anything. I, I think, think he, genu- he genuinely f- like feels really strongly that you know, with the shallow player pool that we know Scotland has, that having like a a big mar- the world's biggest market of players, yeah, um, that is just going to have there's going to be some examples of people with Scottish blood or people that you can tempt over, yeah, because you know there's so many academies, um, that it you know I think he he genuinely does believe that. Scotland aren't making the best use of that Exiles program. And I think that's kind of a fair point. I think potentially the sort of Callum McClellan point, because it was interesting, I think the fact that the SOU obviously made an effort to bring him in as like an 18-year-old rugby league player is actually quite a big statement, A, of how good they thought he could be, and B, how much they probably trusted Alan Tate's views. I think the issue was less on that kind of finding him and doing that or it was more on the implementation and how they embedded him into kind of that pathway program because he did play very well for the under 20s when he was yeah. given a go he, he did and but then yeah and i actually thought it was like perversely quite a bad example that alan tate gave because i think that cal mcclellan was you know in that academy or whatever stage mm. he was in and then i think it was castle for tigers he went to yeah and they're like we'll give you a full contract and he had a rugby league background like, well, that's what the, they, they the, pulled the, him out of Castleford, didn't they? And then he just went. Oh, and back. then he went. But then he went. Did he go back to Castleford? He went think, back to Castleford. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, I think he's now at Leeds. I think he's at Leeds now. Oh, like, he? I think he was just probably like, well, look, I can either there's maybe not a chance. There's a chance that I don't make it at all in Union here. It's a hard slog. I'm learning a new game, or I go back to the sport, which is like my first love. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you can like say that that was a real SRU failure. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm reading it now. I'm looking at this. And it says Tate says people wanted him. This McClellan I'm talking about. People wanted him to fail. Some would rather see him fail than come through because of his background. And then he says he's from a single parent home in Castleford, and they put him in a seven hundred pound a month flat in Edinburgh, and had him driving all the way down to Hoyk to play because of the draft system. Would Hoyk have drafted him? I can't remember whether that at yeah. the time that would have been the system. Yeah. So it's kind of as a. It probably is a little bit in the SU. SU can probably influence it, yeah, but so that system's have, been set up. Yeah, so you could have sent them to Barmuir. But we were saying if the, the clubs issue, are drafting the players. Yeah, 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 exactly. Then it's hikes. I mean, if, I think that point way. about... Couldn't they, rent they, your flat they, for they, 700 they, a month They didn't want... Sweet They didn't want him to succeed because he came from a single-parent family in Castleford. I don't know. I don't have much sympathy with that i don't buy into that at all what why would that make any difference i don't know it's i i don't believe it did and but i guess we're not privy to the sort of sru corridors of power and maybe they've got a massive issue with kids from single parent households i don't know (laughs) (laughs) maybe they've got an issue the because the, the, the interesting yeah, thing that, is there was that sort of stuff that sort of didn't stack up the whole story for me mm-hmm. i was like i've no doubt that tate has some 
obviously he's got some insight into the way the system's working and some potential it, wrinkles that need to be issued. But I think, Matt, you're quite right. I thought that that particular example didn't, that didn't stick out to me as something that's been the, a sort of a misuse of SRU power. The thing is, I almost think Cal McClellan's, given it didn't, it didn't work out and he left, is exactly the sort of type person that we, sh- we should be picking out via the Excel's program because you would expect that maybe two years ago, they saw that there was potentially a gap at 10. Yeah. You know, Finn was yeah. clearly going to go or was, had gone by that point. You had Duncan Ware and Adam Hastings. Hmm. And there's a few people coming through the ranks, but no one that was clearly going to make that jump to pro level. They were probably like, we have a, we have a dearth of talent yeah. at 10 and we need to fill that gap. Obviously, we've now filled it with Nathan Chamberlain. Hmm. But clearly, they brought in Cal McLean to try and fill that sort of gap that they had in terms of that kind of pathway of 10s coming through. Yeah. So no, it's an interesting one. It's uh, it's it's a it's interesting now. We potentially must not have any, because I imagine all the international kind of exiles mm. sounds like they're probably all in the same contract. And I imagine if you're probably, getting rid of the north of England, if you're getting rid of the two England ones, yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, the, if the Japanese well, the one ones still got a contract, <laughs> I mean that guy. <laughs> I mean, gold plated contract. Signed an eight year contract in January. Yeah. Japanese rugby's cancelled for 2020. He's just got his feet up in Tokyo, having an absolute great time. I mean, nothing has come out of that. <laughs> Not a peep. No. I still. South Africa's been pretty active. England's been fairly active. Say South Africa's been active. Kyle Stain's uncle spoke to Townsend, <laughs> like, on the side of a pitch. How mental is that? And it's not like Kyle Stain was, like, playing, like, amateur rugby. He was playing in, like, the Curry Cup. Duhan Duhan came from France though. He came from Montpellier, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Such a great pun. Showman. What was the show? He's not like but he's not like an undiscovered player. He was like playing for the Bulls. Yeah. And it's not like he's got Scottish heritage. Well, like, and Na- Nathan McBeth bloke who was playing in South Africa and came over. Yeah, I'm not really sure uh, yeah, exactly what what's sort guy. of happening with him now. And is the one in Australia and New Zealand? I know um, he seems to just be it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picking up like the Scots that go over there having failed and they're like, just go back for a bit. Do yeah, a short-term I, I found, contract I found, I found, Yeah, I found this guy, Sam Thompson. <laughs> like he's, he's quite good and he says he's Scottish qualified. Well, didn't Glenn, because Glenn Metcalf had some sort of rule, but I think, I don't think that's there anymore as part of like, you know, what's like the University of Auckland, I think. Cheers, Glenn. Cheers, Glenn. I'd like to get an update on that. 
Now that these contracts, yeah, I'd, now that they've yeah. wound down those, are they completely reviewing their scouting system all over the world, or is it just? I just, I just wonder how important it it really is having people in these markets, and then ultimately, because ultimately, anyone at almost semi pro or as a young pro is going to have an agent, and I imagine agents know every single country these guys are eligible yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like I, I potentially get having a scout in England going around schools. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But outside of that, I imagine through agents you can get basically all the information you want. Yeah. There we go. Wanna- well, there you go. And I suppose it's a neat segue into Scots plying their trade abroad. Yeah. Which they seem to be doing quite well when they leave. I can't believe Finn Ross has just come back and is just like killing how, killing it. How does somebody who looks so unprofessional and bad <laughs> continue to carve up? He might, I'd like, for a guy who ju- all he does is train all day, his his diet it like blows my mind. His diet must be awful, or he has terrible genetics. I think Zebo in an interview was asked. He was asked a question about. He was asked a random question about Finn's diet and basically like only eats baguettes and delivery. <laughs> come on, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, but ultimately, I guess it kind of works for him, right? I mean, it's this whole thing that, like, I don't know if that sort of control over what he eats and drinks like doesn't make him feel relaxed and happy and that's what he needs to yeah i think that is the case with him whatever works i mean let him be whatever is happening with finn at racing 92 is working and ultimately like you know i get the sense that if he's in the gym he's kind of dicking around and stuff but he's he's strong as anything like he's breaking breaking tackles he's got that like i don't know i don't know if it's like natural or it's the mindset He's a good defender as well, or yeah. a relatively good defender for a time. Well, this is the, his his rig is pretty hanging. Yeah, definitely. And he doesn't look like he's got much. Not that I can talk, but he doesn't look <laughs> like he's got much muscle mass or definition. Yeah. Mm. But you're right in terms of he he breaks tackles mm. or gets like arms free. Yeah, better than a lot of like international bigger, centers yeah. and bigger players. And it's not just you know obviously he his his mind his rugby mind is so good that you know, he can use the space so well to, to evade. But even when he doesn't evade, like when he's running, as you say, through that contact and getting his arms through, like that yeah. takes serious strength. And it's yeah. often forwards he's running through. No, it's, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's good to see, I guess. It's it's just whether, wh- how Tooney manages kind of him and Hastings coming into the Autumn Nations Cup. Is it just COVID's kind of just like, whatever happened back then, let's just forget about COVID it. COVID and the interviews in the Sunday Times have given Tooney the air cover to just bring <laughs> Finn in at 10. I, I, think, like, I think Townsend will make a point and select Hastings for that first like one or two games. Georgia game is fine. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He can use that as like, a, yeah, I'm sticking to my guns. And it's like, you know, Finn deserves a chance. And... Be, won't look back. Yeah. I, maybe they'll because Finn will be playing in Champions Cup, and then yeah. Adam will be cutting cutting about doing nothing in Glasgow. He'll be like, you you know, Finn needs a rest for Georgia. But then as yeah. soon as that Wales game comes, Finn's I, back in. I think press conference between Georgia and Wales game, Tooney will say two things. I'll say one: there's no number one ten. They're both like on the same. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Number two. Finn's trained really hard this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. trained really well. He's trained really yeah. well. 
Finn's proven that he wants to be part of the yeah. group again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finn's come in. Finn's just been like, let's yeah. write, let's get that down as another Thistle prediction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Finn's proven that he wants to be part of the group again. Yeah, 100%. And then yeah, that's bang all on. is forgiven. We beat Wales, win the Six Nations, and the Austin Nations Cup. Can't wait. Mm. 2020, best, best year ever. <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Hogg is also looking very tasty for and Exeter since the restart. So he looks in fantastic physical condition. Yeah, his lid as well is like the best it's ever be. I don't know yeah. what's happened. What, yeah, what's going know. on down lot, at the Chiefs? A lot of operations on that. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a personal hair surgery part of his deal <laughs> at Exeter. But he just he looks um, like he's looks absolute jets at the moment. But also I feel like his like his game sharpness is really there. Like he's making yeah. all the right decisions. Uh, he's not, and he doesn't seem like he's trying to force it. Maybe he's got such good players around him. I think it's a nice, yeah, this is sort of nice combo with like Simmons, Slade, him, and Noel. Yeah, like quite, and he already seems to be working with Noel really well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but then said even look, and do you say his? It doesn't look like his injury is that bad. I think I saw somewhere that Rob Baxter come out and been like, yeah, it's it, it's not serious. I think they were precautionary in taking him off. Because I watched a bit of X this year, and I genuinely think Johnny Gray is looking really, really good, mm. both in terms of just general intensity around kind of the breakdown and in defence, but also just the amount of offloads he's getting out. Like, yeah. really, like, noticeably making a lot of offloads kind of mm. across all the games I've seen him play. I wonder if Sir Rob Bax has gotten his ear and been like, look, we know that you will tackle all day or smash rocks, your work rates like, you know, up there with the best yeah. of them. But if you want to be that like world-class lock, then here's a few things that you can add to your game. If you want to be a lion's lock, yeah. which he's looking at it like at the moment. It's just, it's always just the benefit of just a change of environment, different voice in his ear, mm. different perspective. Like he's been in the SRU system his whole life. Yeah. And he will have been treated as Johnny Gray, you know, the rising star. Yeah. Maybe it just mm-hmm. needs somebody to come in yeah, and yeah. give him a different look. I'm so, just reading that Hoggy is expected to win his fitness battle for the Champions Cup quarterfinal. Nice. Mm-hmm. So it must Who have Exeter got again? Tweak. I don't know. I'm trying to read something they on the Scotsman have... website, which is impossible. <laughs> it's so Because bad. of the number of <laughs> pop-up adverts. So it's Ulster to lose. So it's Ulster to lose. It's Claremont Rassing. It's Leinster Saracens. Saracens. And then it must be extra Ulster. Wait, who's playing to lose? Ulster to lose. Yeah. So then who would be left? This is good question. Well, let's come back. Let's come back. I'm honestly flicking through the Scotsman and I'm getting so many pop up ads you wouldn't even believe. Um, (laughs) Impossible. The um, the only I guess going on to that extra point and kind of players kind of looking a little bit reborn. I guess Sam Adago Klein is the other one who. Yeah. Again, it's just, I mean, just, I think we need to go back and think about where Sam Hidalgo Klein has been for like the last 18 months for two years. Like, yeah. He's just been like journeyman around, like, what was it? Four different clubs in like the last 18 months. Yeah. Like, med- medical joker. Medical Exeter joker. Northampton. Exeter Northampton. That. So Exeter are going to Should win that. Northampton. Northampton yeah. has been terrible since the yeah. restart. But, but like Sam Hidalgo Klein, just like. A bit of stability behind a pack that is delivering him like the best ball in the UK. Yeah, and he just looks—he looks fantastic, and he continues to look fantastic. It, yeah, he's one of the best-looking rugby players out there. Oh, yeah. I, I wonder if somewhere like Exeter, which, as you said, doesn't to me kind of strike 
but it's like a place of egos and if you are you kind of get cut down to size quite quickly yeah. i think that might yeah. have been his issue in the past and maybe that's sort of been like you know he, he can't fulfill that role but um and that's helped him but i even think the fact that you know he's started in a few of the games with exeter's kind of second string yeah, yeah. And still looked really good in in particularly that game against where they beat the bristol kind of first string they yeah. got man of the match and that's in you know behind a pack that was like you know slightly struggling uh it's looking he's looking great and sam skinner is just such like a great player for scotland to have at their disposal oh yeah, yeah phenomenal like he's such a good performer would you bring hidalgo klein back into the scotland setup for these six games that are coming up well you got price horn pergos is there any point having pergos in the setup anymore that's what i think but i think that if Hidalgo Klein had been doing this for like even six months more, I think he might be in the equation, but it's not that much to go on. Um, yeah. And I also think that they see, I think has Charlie Shield trained with the, being one of those extra players? I think Shield's been in and around the squad. Yeah, before. I think they see him as, and I actually wouldn't even be surprised if they like brought in Jamie Doby as one of those yeah. um, additional players ahead of Hidalgo Klein. I don't necessarily agree it's like the, the right decision, but I think he'd maybe struggle to get into that Scotland squad. And then we've got basically every other premiership club with at least one Scottish nine in their Yeah, so I was thinking about this. So what is the list? I was thinking about this today. So, so you've got we've Scott Steele at, at Harlequins. Harlequins. Who sco- scored in their win um, last mm-hmm. night or the night before. He's been picking up like some decent game time, actually, considering he got released by London Irish quite yeah. last minute. Um but Charlie Chapman at Gloucester, I think she's been on the bench a couple of times. Yes. Um, ben Velicott. Velicott at Wasps. Is there anything else that... Is Velicott... Was he not the one that they were going to... They almost called him up to the Scotland squad. Yeah, they and who did, who did they put in, in instead? Nathan Fowles. They, they banged in Nathan Fowles. <laughs> cool. Um, cool, man. I feel like there's some other annoying... Best in Nathan Fowles' life. Yeah, I know. No, that is fair. I wonder where Nathan Fowles is these days. Actually, Ealing? Ealing, I was going to say. That <laughs> <laughs> seems the kind of refuge of like yeah, yeah, guys yeah. on the way out. It will be interesting, though, that third spot, because you're right, is like there's a lot of people who have kind of started to put their hands up, but mm. he's, a, yeah, he's a Ealing trail finder. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, the much-talked-about um, Finley Christie. Yeah, who, to be fair, I know we sort of, we chatted a little bit about him sort of last year, and I think he was starting as a kind of reserve scrum half for the Hurricanes, mm. and even sometimes wasn't even getting the squad, and I think we're almost like, just because he plays yeah. in New Zealand. In New Zealand yeah. It would be nice great. if he came, but he doesn't need to come. But, to be fair to him, he sort of won the might of 10 last year with Tasman, is now, it's been the starting nine for the Blues mm-hmm. this year, playing like North-South match, playing for Tasman again. Did he start that match? Came off the bench. Came off the bench, yeah. Because I think it's... Well, Perinara and Smith. Oh, no, because Perinara and Smith were on the same team. Did he... No, so he would have played in the South team. Yeah. So Brad Weber started for the Weber, South. yeah. And then Christie came off the bench because he was at Tasman, which yeah. is in the South Island. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're kind of like... if you Now you've got to that level... If he put his hand up, you feel like he would get in the squad. Although I imagine the Mitre 10 will now cross over 
the Autumn Nations Cup. Mm. Yeah. So there was a little, I know someone on um, Twitter today had said, will Finlay Christie be Scotland starting nine for the 2021 Six Nations? <laughs> I mean, I, I, if I was Finlay Christie, like he, although he's been starting for Blues and everything, he's so far down the pecking order in terms of New Zealand nines that unless he thinks that he wants to stay in New Zealand forever, it's completely fair enough for his professional rugby career. Like, why wouldn't you Is go... Is it fair enough? Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, you you might love New Zealand and I think fair enough. No, no, I know. He's got, he's got, <laughs> he's got the Scotland flag in his Instagram. Yeah, uh, I know. But, but that's, page, what, so... what I was going to say is that, I don't know, it seems like an amazing opportunity that you are Scots qualified. You can come over, get a good deal for Edinburgh, Glasgow, and have, sure a, and have, a, very, have a very strong chance of playing international rugby. Very strong chance of getting a seven hundred pound a month flat in Edinburgh as well. well yeah, exactly. He keeps, up, he keeps up this sort of form. Just check if his par- would, check if his parents are still together. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even need to drive to hike. <laughs> no, it's. I, I mean, I, I think, I'm, I'm surprised that it hasn't happened yet. I think you got to look at this in World Cup cycles. Let him have another year in New Zealand, yeah. and, and then bring him over if he if he's up for it. No, agreed. I mean, and I think you're right in the sense like he ain't coming. He isn't coming over. And fighting with Hogg for the 15 jersey where he's clearly not going to be a starting 15 mm. for Scott and get those games. I mean, like, there's an argument that he potentially is the best Scottish nine in the world at the moment. I think increasingly so. Yeah. Maybe a year ago, I was like, you know, he's it, not that good, but. It does feel like over the last year or 18 months, Price and Horn uh, have sort of kind of capped out. Yeah. I think specifically Horn, who still has that great support game and and whatnot, but hasn't really been able to add as much as he probably needs to be that sort of international class scrum half. Mm. Um, but no, I mean, generally, you, you're discounting whoever plays at nine, it feels like the Scotland starting back line for that Autumn Nations Cup. If you start with, let's put Price, Russell, Sam Johnson, Rory Hutchison, Doohan, Darcy and Hogg, Chris Harris is going to start at 13, though. you got to start. Chris Harris is going to start at 13. No, Chris Harris will start. 100%. Townsend loves Chris Harris. I don't, I don't, want, it been, to, I don't want it to happen just as much as you, but it well. will. He has, but... Man, the Lions scouts were at King's home last night. <laughs> Harris, is, Harris is going. Rory, I mean, I get that the Saints haven't been playing very well, but... It just feels like Rory Hutchinson's going to just add him and Sam Johnson. Think, feel like they could work Rory quite Hutchinson well together. Is going to be in twenty years' time, old Scottish rugby buffies like us are going to be sitting there and being like, Rory Hutchinson's the one that got away. We, just never, <laughs> we never capped him, and he just he he could have changed the whole game. He is capped at least. Yeah, I know, but, but yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at Finlay Christie because I was going to say that George Horn's really young, and he is. He's only twenty-five, but so is Finlay Christie. They are. They are the. He's the only same twenty-five. Age. Yeah, it feels like he's been around for a bit longer than that. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, those are our Scots abroad. Um. Hopefully, we will continue to see them excelling as we go towards the uh, the international period coming up. But we have been prattling on for Christ 45 minutes and we haven't even talked about <laughs> the one relevant Scottish rugby game that is left on the stocks and that is Edinburgh traveling to Bordeaux on Saturday lunchtime in the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup um, they have played um, twice this is the third game this season uh, they lost and they drew at BT Murrayfield so far 
Bordeaux have uh, only won, they've only had one game so far in the top 14. Their other one was postponed, which they won against Bereave at the weekend. Matt, why don't we start with you? How do you think Edinburgh are going to be feeling going into this one? It's, it's a bit of a weird one just because, um, like, obviously coming off the back of the disappointment of losing to, to Ulster. And in an already bizarre season, you've got to play this like seemingly quite random Challenge Cup fixture. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if you look at the Challenge Cup, like there's some serious teams in it, like Bristol, Bordeaux, uh, Dragons, less so. I don't know who's in the other quarterfinals actually. Don't know. But I think I get the sense that you know Richard Cockrell will, will want to to win it. Um, and I think if they can come um, through against Bordeaux, then, you know, notwithstanding Edinburgh's like increasingly poor track record in knockout rugby, then they should have a strong chance of winning it. Um, and I, I just kind of look at the, I know the Bordeaux um, have done well against Edinburgh this season, but I think the loss of Randrada, as I said before, is genuinely massive. And I don't know, I just, I just look at the Bordeaux team and I, I don't think it's actually that good. And I think a full noise Edinburgh team, if they can, um, you know, put in a, a an 80 minute performance, like maybe even the first 40 against, for, first 50 against Ulster, then I think they should feel pretty confident about winning it. And what do you think? I can see you're looking at Wikipedia, which never ends well. Looking at the Bordeaux squad. And I would challenge a little bit the squad not being that good. You have Jalabert, Cordero, Ben Lamb, Tamanavula. It's not the worst team in the world. But it's kind of like Southern Hemisphere castoffs, though. And Jalabert, who's in the Scotland France game, was an absolute like jelly no. bean. No, no. It, I think it's fair. And I think you'd like to think that post that Ulster game, the Edinburgh player's going to be really up for it. Whereas if I imagine for Bordeaux, they've kind of started the top 14 yeah. season, it probably feels a little bit more of a distraction rather than something that could still sort of define their season, right? I also think looking at the Bordeaux team, I hardly know any of the players. So they could all be fucking sweet. <laughs> like genuinely people who might be in the France squad and I've not heard of. They do have the props that Ben Tamafuna And Jefferson Poirot. And Jefferson Poirot, who are both quite savage and beasts. Yeah. Um, they're definitely going to have like an absolutely horrible pack. Well, I, mean, I, don't know, I just think Edinburgh, it's like hard to motivate when for for Edinburgh I, I, maybe. I think Edinburgh will have more motivation for this game than Bordeaux. Mm. I feel like it's hard to play this like weird cup competition at the st- when you've just started your domestic yeah. season, and it feels a little bit. Uh, it feels harder to get up for. Whereas Edinburgh, it's like this is the season, right? Yeah, this is this you'd is say, that's yeah. all that's left. And you'd say Edinburgh now have played three games in the build up. Bordeaux have only played one. Yeah. Like maybe they're a bit more up to speed. Uh yeah, as I said, I just think if, if Edinburgh can get that I think they'll keep the same pack, but I think they might actually take out Bradbury. Maybe put in Luke Crosby. I don't think Bradbury had a good game at all against Jim put in Jamie Ritchie. Or Jamie Ritchie, Ritchie's sorry. Yeah. In, yeah. I I think that team has got too much. No, I'd I'd, I'd agree. I guess probably said the same thing for sort of Ulster and they they, they kind of did for 60 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, so hopefully just with that sort of two weeks to reflect, Cockrell's given them a bit of a beasting. Mm. It's, uh, and they'll sort of come back with 
and be able to sort of finish the job. It's and as we always say, this could be the last chance that some of those Edinburgh players have got to put out in front of Townsend before he's selecting his next mm. Scotland squad as well. Yeah. So they've got one more hit out that the Glasgow players haven't had or two more hit outs that the Glasgow team haven't had to, to impress um, Townsend. I'm just reading Edinburgh's um, match preview and I don't know what's going on at the bottom. If you look at the bottom of the page, they've like copied and pasted some facts and the formatting's <laughs> gone wild and some of the facts are so weird. It's like Edinburgh and Bordeaux both lost just one scrum on their own footing during the pool stage. <laughs> I mean, it's quite cool. That's <laughs> it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's not interesting. It's, it's, That's not interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Edinburgh's last four European quarterfinals have been won by the away side on the day, with the Scottish club winning the first game in that run but losing the last three. Weird. I think they look like they've been emailed to Edinburgh by like the yeah. Challenge Cup people. <laughs> and honestly, look, I'm showing it to Matt now. Look, the formatting is all, the formatting's all over the place. So they're just like, someone at the end of the day is just like, just put them in. I think they've no snipped it as well. It's not even copying and pasted. Yeah, it's, it's like... a wee image. It's good. Check it out <laughs> on the Edinburgh Rugby page. They'll maybe change this by tomorrow lunchtime, so get in there early. What do you think the, the spread is? What do you think the bookies have got? For the Bordeaux Edinburgh Ooh, game in Bordeaux. Do you, do you know the answer before we get into this? <laughs> I know the answer for Paddy Power. Okay, so we'll use Paddy Power as our, our house um, gambling website. I would say Bordeaux by four. What do you think? Edinburgh by seven. Bordeaux by eight. They've got Bordeaux by eight. Really? I wonder if it's just... I guess they don't know that... It's like an algorithm and they're like, French team at, at home. home. Yeah. yeah. And they won the top four, and they were top of the top fourteen, which is a sort of last kind of forgotten about fact because it was pre-COVID. But they were absolutely carving up the top mm. fourteen they were last year, eight points ahead at the top of the top fourteen when the season got canned. Which pretty tough league, pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty attritional. So, and the last time they, the last time they played Edinburgh at home, they won thirty-two seventeen in the pool game. Yes. To be fair, Edinburgh didn't have their full noise team particularly. I think they had pretty much the their first choice yeah. backline. It was but, six, sixteen um, on the Murrayfield previously. I remember that game. I think Edinburgh were quite far ahead and managed to throw it away. <laughs> and what's yes, becoming a similar, well. a similar, um, you know, yeah. familiar theme. Well, Bordeaux appeared in the quarterfinal just once previously, losing 15-20 to Agen <laughs> back in 1996-97. <laughs> he says here. Wow. So, wow. That's the sort of thing that would come up in one of our quizzes. That's fair. And Edinburgh's best was when they got to the final that year. Lost to Cardiff? Uh, was that Co- Gloucester? No. Oh, no, Gloucester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. under Yeah. Yes, it was. Is that when we it saw was, them yeah. at uh, the Stoop against Harlequins? Yeah. I suppose, yeah. I suppose the biggest tragedy of this is I remember at the start of the season we were like, We're going to Bordeaux. We were like, We're going on we were like, we're going on an away trip to Bordeaux. I know. It's such a shame that such an amazing venue is sort of off limits for the away day. I know. Mm. Back like, back in Jan I remember yeah. back yeah, February yeah, we were yeah. looking at flights. We yeah. were looking at it, yeah. And there's a lot of like Edinburgh's got pretty decent like travelling support as we found when we went to um down to Toulon. Like yeah. lots of people that yeah, enjoy yeah. these like, been French good. away days and Bordeaux is a Oh yeah, class venue. Yeah, it, to be fair, it it does feel like the the, Fre- the French away games like feels like a, like no one's like going. No, I can't imagine you'd get that many Edinburgh fans at like Exeter or even Gloucester away. Rodney Parade. I went, I went to the Wasps game away. 
Caught in Cove. Oh yeah, you went to Cove, didn't you? Big, big old. Oh, I'm never going, never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's. Uh, I mean, we could just go and take the hit on quarantine. Two week quarantine. That's true. Yeah. True fans will take. The well, two are there quarantine. are there fans? Do we know? Well, no, we can't get into the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. True fans. <laughs> We'd be outside. Just outside, just, just <laughs> chanting. Setting off some flares. Yeah, outside. exactly. <laughs> we'll go in under the guise of another kind of French protest, the Mayogian protest. Yeah. So, but notwithstanding what Paddy Power is saying about Edinburgh versus Bordeaux, Alan, what do you think is going to happen? Bordeaux by two. It's so tight, but I, I think Bordeaux. it's I think it's actually quite high scoring. I'm going to go with like a sort of twenty nine twenty seven. Okay, there you go. I quite like that. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I don't I'm, like it, but I I think yeah. I just think it's difficult for Edinburgh to pick themselves up in that Ulster game. Like was everything was so geared towards it, and I think we're I'm probably not giving Bordeaux enough credit for like particularly in the pack how good they are. So yeah, I think they'll win by five. Um, fuck it. Why not let an Edinburgh win? Let's keep it going. <laughs> Let's keep the dream alive. I, I, I think I don't think they will struggle getting up for it. I don't think that will be an issue for Edinburgh. I kind of agree with Alan that I think they've, this is a big moment for them because I think they will. I imagine the the rhetoric or the narrative that Cockerell will say is that, that he'll be like everyone's looking at Edinburgh and saying you guys bottled on the big you mm. guys bottled it on the big stage. Yeah, the best way to do that is to then go to France in a knockout game and win. Yeah, then they line up a semi probably against Bristol. It's Bristol against the Dragons is the quarterfinal that will feed into the semi yeah, against yeah. Edinburgh. So, I mean, Bristol Bears and I think Alan, you were looking at it's obviously hypothetical at this stage, but. Bristol are now in a bit of a dogfight for the top four of the Premiership. And yeah. would they sacrifice the Challenge Cup or put out a second string for a Challenge Cup semi in order to, you know, preserve their players for the Premiership? Sort of depends what happens in the, yeah. the in the games before because ultimately so Bristol have got London Irish and Leicester, which you would assume they would mm. like, win pretty comfortably. But if Bath, Sale and Wasps all win their their next game and Bristol go into that last game needing, at a minimum, a bonus point win to get through into the top four, you could potentially see them being like, top four is more important than the final of the Challenge Cup. Quite hard to put out, yeah. Is it quite hard to put out a second string team in a semi? They try and like, I mean, do both. Talk to Len- 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 Lanster. Yeah, Lanster yeah. played a second string 10 I in know, the final. So. Um, but I know... I, th- I think Pat Lan came out today... And, you know, it's maybe just sort of like press speak and everything, but he was like, we're going full noise to win the yeah. Challenge Cup. Again, if, you, if we're talking about sort of narrative that Cockrell use, I think for Bristol are obviously on their own journey of sort of building themselves up as a European mm. force for rugby. So if they can do both top four plus win the Challenge Cup, they'll, I imagine that's what they'll be punting for. But I mean, it's obviously getting ahead of ourselves, but I find Bristol a little bit annoying. So... I'd quite like to beat them. <laughs> no, I am. I'm sort of. I've moved from like, the. Everyone's like loving. Everyone's Bristol. like, oh yeah, you know, it's we're we're good people first and foremost. And like, you've got Charles Pietan and Randrada. Like, that's why you're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. I've got a. I've got a quick quiz. Oh, nice. Go on. We've, very, we've just tipped over the hour mark, so let's keep lovely. Going. Wait, I don't think we've done an hour pod in a very long time. To be fair, it's excited to be back in each other's company. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, to celebrate. Uh, Duhan McVander Merver 
Very good. Winning Pro yep. 14 player of the season? Mm-hmm. I think so. Should we have a little, we have a little quiz? Go on then. First, first one, th- three points available. Name the three professional clubs Duhan has played for. How are we doing doing this? What we'll do is Dave go first. One. Including Edinburgh. Including Edinburgh. There you go. (laughs) Montpellier. And then have either of you got the third club? You can both take a guess if you want. Dave, I think I've got it. I I don't Uh, think I've got it. We'll Um, we'll let you go first. The Bulls. Who are you going for? It's the Sharks. Uh, 3 2 to Dave. Lovely. Lovely. Um, and what I'm going to do is, so Duhan has topped clean breaks, defenders beaten, and meters gained okay. this season. Yeah. I'm going to say a number, and Matt, for this one, you're going to get first on whether you want to go higher or lower, and okay. Dave will take the opposite side, and then we'll switch for the next one. Yeah. Clean breaks. Yep. 35. Is Duhan higher or lower? Lower. 32. Take it to nice. 3 Defenders beaten, Dave, 75. Ooh. Lower? 80. 80? I was going to go higher. And then meters gained, a thousand. <laughs> a thousand. Uh, let's go higher. 971. Oh. Do you know the, the gap between him and the next person? Clean breaks, he's on 32. Yeah. Next is 18 with Reno Smith. <laughs> Defenders beaten, he's on 80. Next is Reno Smith on 49. And so is gained, Reno Smith guy. He's on 971. And second is Reno Smith <laughs> on 742. What? Wow. Genuinely. And uh, for the decider, which Scottish player has had the most offloads in the Pro 14 this season? And we can go until you get it. Scottish player with so the most d- offloads. Most offloads this season in the Pro 14. I'll tell you, Naka- Nakarawa is second. And <laughs> played, I think he, he played, played like two games. <laughs> you think he played two games. What? So Nakarawa is second. He's eight, eight, tied eighth in the Pro 14 with 10. And, this, and then our top one is fifth. And he's got 13 offloads across the season. One three. One three. 13. Um, I have no. Let's idea. just go bang bang. King Kinghorn. Kinghorn. No. Sam Johnson. No. Christine. No. James Johnson. No. Bill Matter. No. It's a forward though. It is a forward. Yeah. Jamie Ritchie. No. Watson. No. Johnny Gray. No. McAnally. No. Sandy Ferguson. No. <laughs> Fraser Brown. No. Um, I'm just struggling to name Scotland players. Yeah, Matt Ferguson. Nope. Forward. A forward. Rob Harley. Gilchrist. Nope. To this. Nope. Cummings. Nope. Nope. Can you give us like a clue as to where he is in the forwards? Uh, no. Oh, he, he, no is a, he is a Scottish international. We've done Rambo, right? Yeah. Nope. It's not him. George Turner? Nope. Oh, that's like quite, quite a good shout, that. That's quite a good shout. He does love chucking it around. 
I've, I'm out of um, Scotland International. It's not like Ryan Wilson, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Wilson. Is what? A, yeah. Blown. Top offloads of any... Being driven backwards in the tackle. <laughs> Chucked ch- ch- back. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Why? Well, well, there you go. That If there was anything worth waiting for, it was that. <laughs> um, thanks very much, Alan. And thank you very much all for listening and to continue to um, engage with us download our pods speak to us on Twitter that's at Thistle Rugby Pods um, Alan's already teased a couple of memes that are going to be coming later this week that's on Instagram oh buddy Thistle understroke rugby understroke pods um, send us an email the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com but most importantly subscribe to our brand new newsletter um, it's on Substack so search for the Thistle Rugby Pods newsletter or you can get on any of our socials. You'll be able to link through to that. Um, we're really chuffed. Thousands of you out there really enjoying our ramblings on Monday morning. So keep getting out there and sharing and subscribing. Share the newsletter for a chance to win erroneous Thistle merch at some point in the future. Speaking of a tease, there is a potential for merch. So, potential yeah. for merch. We don't Ex- want to say exclusive merch. Exclusively vague <laughs> offer. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? If you share it, you might get something. <laughs> And on that, we will be back next week. Speak to you guys soon. See ya. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.